You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Sex toy sales are skyrocketing because people want orgasms now more than ever. And Adam and Eve is here to help you with an incredible deal to make all your sexual dreams come true. They are offering my listeners the deal of a lifetime. All you have to do is head over to adamandeve.com, pick out one item. It could be anything you desire. Not only do they have sex toys, but they also have movies, lingerie, games, and so much more. And they will give you 10 free gifts. Yes, they are literally giving away 10 sexy surprises to boost your sexual pleasure. All you have to do is type in your code HOLLY and you'll automatically get these 10 free gifts plus free shipping. That's holly at adamandeve.com. Hi, I'm Holly Randall and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Today on the show, I have Chrissy Mayer. She is a podcaster and a sex comic, which pretty much just means that she likes to talk a lot about the fun things in life, sex and dating and all the things that you and I, dear listener, care about. Um, her podcasts are the Chrissy Mayer podcast as well as the wet spot. And, um, she's just a lot of fun. We kind of run the gamut talking about all kinds of random things, how comedy and porn intersect. Somehow we get on this topic about aliens and like how we would deal with an alien encounter. So this is just a really fun episode. That's a little bit off the wall, but just a blast to listen to. It was a blast to interview her. I think you guys will really enjoy it. So let's welcome Chrissy Mayer to Holly Randall Unfiltered. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Um, I have comedian Chrissy Mayer on today, and um, she looks really nice. If you're listening to the audio version, you can't see how nice she looks, but, um, she, she looks, I'm wearing. yeah, yeah. You go ahead. Explain. Cause <laughs> you do look no, kind of festive. I, I thought this was going to be released in December. So I wore my most Christmassy sweater and it's got these little, you know, like bedazzled things on them. But now that I look closer, a lot of them have popped off. Um, and I'm sweating and I have a ring light on me. So there I'll probably have like sweaty pits a good 30 minutes into this. But yeah, it's good. I just tried to like look, you know, kept up. You look, you look very nice. I do not. I'm wearing, um, though I, I don't want to rag on the shirt because actually one of my fans bought this for me. Big H bought Ooh. me this shirt and it's super comfortable and I love it. And it's like a tie dyed Led Zeppelin shirt and Led Zeppelin's my favorite band of all time. But 
I used to like really try to dress up and look nice for my podcast. I actually did one of those clothing rental um, oh, rent the runway things. No, yeah. not rent the runway, but similar. It's one that they send you like every month or every three months. You can pick, and then you cheat. You keep what you want. You wear it, and then you return it, um, and they send you something else. And so it was really nice because I would always have something different to wear, and it would be kind of like classy. And if you really like something, you could you could buy That's it. Nice. Yeah, I would, yeah, it was, I would awesome. do that because I always have a pile. Well, I guess I have a similar <laughs> rent your outfit situation where it's just a pile in my closet and then I'll stick my arm under the bottom and pull something out. And I'll be like, oh, this. <laughs> Forgot about this. I mean, at least in the times of quarantine, we don't need to worry about what we're wearing on our bottoms. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just very, you know, being almost nine months pregnant, um, there's very few things that fit me. And so I've kind of like worn all of the nice clothes that I have that fit me. And uh, so, and today I was tired. I'm starting to give up on life a little bit right now. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm just like, I was just like, this is comfortable and it fits and yeah. um, it's fine. Everyone will forgive me. You have you have a the the most ultimate excuse of being pregnant. There's people not pregnant right now who can't fit into their sweatpants. <laughs> so that's how you like the to see the advertising change over the course of the lockdown. Like we're now on like month six of it, and it's like you you know the ads. All my ads are now just for sexy sweatpants and sexy like matching sweatpants sets. And I was like, oh that's, my god, that's so true. I didn't think about that, but that's yeah. All you see is like stylish masks, yeah. sweatpants, like UV, um, like cases that are supposed to disinfect everything, which I think I is probably does work. I don't no. think shining a light, uh, like a, like a, you know, a UV light over your stuff is gonna, uh, uh-uh. and also it's come out like a while ago that the virus doesn't even survive on surfaces for, for all that long. So yeah, every, Every day we, it's something new. It does this, it doesn't do that. Like it's still so misunderstood. It's just, uh, I yeah. just stopped paying attention. <laughs> That's really the way to go because I feel like a lot of that like misunderstanding and misinformation, I feel like a lot of it's on purpose just to throw yeah. people and keep us scared and, you know, just living I, small lives, it seems. Yeah. And I think also too, like the media, cause I mean, that's what sells, right? Sex and fear are the two things that always sell. Um, and fear is the, is a big seller right now. And so the media will latch on to anything that will scare the bejesus out of you because that will get them clicks. Yeah. Cause you have to keep checking in to make sure you still have to fear for your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My husband loves to send me like, uh, horrible COVID-19 stories. Oh, he God. sent me one, he sent me one the other day because we were debating on whether or not to, like to have a baby shower, to have a Zoom baby shower, to have like a baby shower <laughs> with like five people. Like we ended up not doing one at all. But uh he that says me this article, coworkers throw surprise baby shower for a woman who then gets coronavirus and dies. Oh no what happens to all the stuff? <laughs> Does it go back to the whoever gets pregnant next among the friend group or does everyone just take back their, you know, their bibs and, yeah. or, I mean, it's depending on how far along she is, like the baby could have survived and she died because that's because he sent me another article 
where a woman got coronavirus, she died, but they saved the baby. Ah, yeah, that seems that seems more likely, you know, because yeah. it, it sort of goes for older people and people with pre-existing stuff going on. It doesn't seem right. to be attacking much like the young folk. Right. But I mean, of course, you're always going to get that article where like 25 years old, no pre-existing conditions. Yeah. Die. The one person. And you're like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So who it's knows? Scary. It's a scary it is world. scary. It's scary. And it's also... um I don't know, like my sister's coming over tonight and she was just on vacation um, and she's, she's a nurse. So she's very, very, oh. she's COVID patients. So wow. she's very serious about the disease and, and she does, a you know, she's very careful. And so she didn't want to come over tonight unless she uh, got tested and her results came back positive. <gasps> what? I mean, sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, negative. wow. I said that totally wrong. <laughs> negative. Yes. Sorry. She, which, which they did, but she positive that she didn't have it. Yeah. (laughs) Good Lord. (gasps) Wow. So yeah, so she does not have it. Um, but when she texted me earlier, she was saying, you know, we're still waiting on our tests. They're not back yet. And if they're not back, then like, maybe we should just have, cause we were all supposed to have dinner together. Like me and my siblings. She's like, maybe I could just check in via zoom. And I'm like, that's so fucking dumb. And I just got really annoyed. I'm like, well, I don't really care. Like, just come over. It's fine. Like, I'm sure you're fine. And she gave me this big lecture about how I'm, um, you know, uh, immune compromised because I'm pregnant, which is true. And she was 100% right with everything. Like it's not worth the risk and all that stuff. But there was this huge part of me that was just like, fuck it. I don't fucking care anymore. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Sir. Like I want to, I want to see you. And I'm, and I, and I had this little hissy fit for like half an hour where I was like, I'm tired of this stupid coronavirus and this is ruining my life and I can't do anything and I can't see anybody and this is so dumb and like just fuck it but like you can't really do that because life doesn't like you don't get to just be like okay you know fuck this shit because I'm sick of it it's just I don't know it's just one of those and when it's not in your own backyard and you don't really know people that have it and you don't see mm. people dying from it around you, it's hard. I don't know. I think it's hard to like accept the fact that it's like a real thing, but I just try to remind myself that I don't know shit. And, you know, there's a lot of other people out there who know far more than I do that are saying, you know, these are the protocols we should follow and I should just do it. And yeah. And, I think it'd not- be a different story if you weren't pregnant. Like it's, yeah. you know, but since you're pregnant, you're like, you want to be able to say you did everything you could while you could. Yeah, that's true. And I do throw hissy fits about other stuff that I can't do when I'm pregnant. Like I can't have sushi and oh. like, I can't, you know, like have unpasteurized cheese and I get pissy about that, but that's just me being a brat. So what is is unpasteurized cheese? Is that just brie? I thought all cheese was pasteurized. Um, it's like it's like soft cheeses, I guess. Okay, like the spreadables. Yeah, so brie, which is fine. I don't like brie, but like goat cheese, I think, is one of them. Oh, okay. I don't know. Anyways, Feta, maybe. Yeah. So this is super fascinating. I'm sure people are really excited. <laughs> Welcome to cheese. Tuned in to listen to me talk about. Uh, the kind of cheeses that I can have. So maybe we should talk about you because I don't know, you're my guest and uh, you came on to talk about you and not about my <laughs> and my little hissy fits about 
face about the coronavirus. Um, so Chrissy, you are, so we, we kind of talked about this earlier before we started. Are you what one would consider a sex comic? And what exactly does that mean? You know, I don't, yeah, some people would say yes. Some people would say no. Um, I think it depends on your, on your reference and like how many other comedians, you know, like if you're someone who doesn't follow a lot, there's people who compare me to Amy Schumer and I feel like we're stylistically pretty different, but it all depends. Like, so do I talk about sex, joke about sex? Absolutely. Do I talk about it and joke about it on my shows and podcasts? Absolutely. It's, uh, I, in my standup, I primarily make fun of the men I've dated, the sexual situations I've been in sort of like cultural standards on women versus men and, uh, like very self-deprecating, maybe my own family. I don't really delve into politics very much. Like I have a Melania impression, but that's like about it. It's more about how she's sort of like a delightful house cat. You know, it's not even like getting into her like personality or shitting on her, you know, who she's could married you, to. Could, could you do the Melania impersonation? Or? Well, I don't know. I don't know if you want to call me the first lady because I'm actually his third lady. You know, I am his third wife. So if you want to get first lady, you should go get first wife for that because I am just like decorative pillow. <laughs> really, it's just my Russian. I mean, it's also the same accent I use for my waxer. You know, it's kind of just multi, multi-functional standard issue Russian lady accent. It, it works. <laughs> I gotta say, like, I kind of feel bad for that lady. Like, she did not sign up for the shit that she's going through right now. No, she, she just wanted a rich husband. Yeah, yeah. she wanted. Like we all do. We all want to sit on a gold toilet and never work again. You know? I know. Can you imagine? That's the American dream. And uh, people give her shit. Oh, they call her stupid. I'm like, she knows five languages. Like, she's doing pretty good for herself. You know, she was a model. Right. Yeah. Like, she never she never planned to be the first lady or president's wife or involved in politics. And, and just like on a whim, it seems like. Donald ran and now she's in this whole life and she's like, Oh no, I have to get more conservative tops, you know? <laughs> I also feel like to be fair, I also kind of feel like Donald didn't expect to win either. No, I don't know. He did. I, mean, I don't think anyone was prepared for this. You listen to the news. There's like news compilations of, of everybody leading up to the election, even on election night, every, every like major mainstream media, you know, news channels going, Oh, he's never going to win. Never going to win. And then slowly over time, they're going, Oh God, they're like holding onto the table. They're like, Oh God, this is, he lost Pennsylvania. It's really happening. You know? And then I you realize, really oh, like they weren't polling any of the right people. And all of our media is owned by so few companies. Like it's hard for them to get a real scope of things. So, but yeah, and people were not expecting that. Mm-mm. No, I remember that night very well. <laughs> God, what a night. Anyways. Okay. Sorry. Back, back to you. <laughs> and uh, you, you, I got derailed by your Melania impression. It was so, <laughs> so epic. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, so you do a lot of jokes about sex and you, and you have two podcasts, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, there's the wet spot, which I almost didn't even call it that. Cause I thought it would be like, I don't know, to turn people off or whatever. And, uh, my boyfriend's like, no, you have to keep it. You have to do it. And the wet spot is, uh, like a sex dating relationship panel advice show on compound media, uh, which was started by Anthony Cumia. He's the Anthony from Opie and Anthony. 
And I've been on uh, that network for about a year. And I was very inspired by early Howard Stern because, you know, I'll have a lot of uh, the, my my guest panel is always like comedians, porn stars, sex therapists, anybody who's going to know more than I do in their field uh, is somebody I want on. And we've had like dominatrix come in studio, bring their submissives. We've wrapped a guy in saran wrapped and took turns stepping on his balls. Like we all know that was the fluffy guy, right? Fluffy. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's always the the way you see my nickname. Oh my God. Really? Wow. It's always the most fun when the show is more interactive just yesterday, we had uh, like an in-studio dating game and we had like our three bachelorettes and we had to keep them secret from the bachelor. We had like a crazy blindfold on him and that was so much fun. So that's what's really great about like having the studio. You can utilize it to have like fun and interesting guests come in. And it's like a you know free speech network. You can say whatever you want. You can like flash your tits. It's like whatever you're inspired to do, we support and you know, who doesn't like to see boobs? So uh, that's-, that's always good. And then I have my one-on-one interview podcast, which is called the Chrissy Mayer podcast. And, um, you know, I've interviewed like, you know, more like just porn stars, comedians, some political personalities, but really, you know, some conspiracy people too. And we'll kind of just talk about like whatever's interesting, whatever's going on. And that those shows are on like YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. So that's the one that's fully public. And then the wet spot is like subscriber network of compound media. Okay. That would make sense. Yeah. Because I mean, my podcast is obviously about sex and about the adult industry, but because it's on YouTube, we cannot flash boobs on my podcast. <laughs> yeah. And it is sad. Yeah. Because it's sad. if there was anywhere where you should be able to flash boobs, it'd be on my show, but nope. That's so sad. I'm not okay with that. I forget who it was, um, but I had a girl. God, and I actually have like a third show. Now it really seems like I'm bragging, but it's called Never Have I Ever. And there's nine of us, you know, up to nine of us. And then it's like, Never Have I Ever uh, had a threesome. And if you've done it, you take a drink. And then we go around telling Mm -hmm. those stories. And that one is also on YouTube. And I forget her name escapes me, but um, she's dating like a. It was Christy Fox. Oh, okay. So she oh my was God, there's somebody else about, in the room. She's talking. <laughs> it's just my boyfriend slash engineer. He's playing video games. Um, but he also, when I like space out, he'll usually have the answer. But um, so Christy Fox was on, and she is she's dating like kind of a well-known male porn star, and um, she just ended up just like showing a naked photo of him on her phone, and I was like, oh no, we're gonna get flagged on YouTube. But it's been like okay so far. Maybe it's like the degrees of separation. I don't know. It's been, a, it was a quick flash and we we're like, Oh my God, he's so big. <laughs> yeah, you. YouTube's hard to figure out. Like if I post a thumbnail where a girl's fully clothed, but like she's wearing a thong, they'll delete it. And, um, I randomly had them take one of my episodes and like put it behind an over 18 wall, which they haven't done with any of my episodes. Um, wow. and it wasn't a particularly, explicit one either so i don't know why hmm. i think it must depend on just like who reports you i don't know i feel like i yeah. spent my life trying to figure out why youtube does the things that it does and it can't. seems weirdly arbitrary like i'll get limited monetization on on stuff that doesn't deserve it like i did an interview with like stuttering john and we like didn't talk about anything crazy um 
Like we argued at one point because by accident I said like, oh, you dabbled in stand-up. And he got so pissed. He's like, dabbled, dabbled. I'm a serious headlining comic. And I was like, I didn't know. I just thought you're, you know, just coasting off some shit you did 20 years ago. I don't know. Um, like, I'm so sorry, but you're just not funny. So uh, I didn't realize that you actually. <laughs> that's the thing with stand-up. Like we all are in each other's circle. So it's like, if you're not, if I don't see you performing at the places that I perform at, like, not that I'm the the biggest, hottest thing. I'm like a kind of like mid range, you know, but it's like, if I don't see you at any of the venues that I'm at, then like, you're probably not working very much. Um, mm. so I don't know, but you know, some people have gentle, gentle egos. So, um, but yeah, it's weird. The stuff that YouTube will declare, you know, limited monetization or no monetization just cause, yeah. You know, I get that for most of my videos, surprisingly, <laughs> not surprisingly. So it's, but I mean, it's whatever. I'm just so glad it took me so long to get my YouTube channel monetized period that like, I'm just grateful for anything. And it's funny too. Cause you know, you'll get, I'll have some videos that have like hundreds of thousands of views and I made like 81 cents. Oh God. That's so bad. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel that it took me so long <laughs> to get my first thousand subscribers on YouTube. And now I'm like, I'm almost at five. Hopefully by the time this comes out, it'll be more than that. Um, but it's, it's weird. You know, if you're, it, it should go kind of exponentially. Like it takes a long time for the first thousand, then it should kind of peak up. A yeah. Little bit. What happened in, for me was mine was like kind of cruising along pretty flat. And then in December of last year, one of my videos just kind of went viral sort of on Ooh. YouTube and it spiked. And ever since then, it's actually like, it's, I'm, I'm almost at 85,000 right now. That's amazing. Yeah. It was, cra- it's crazy. If you look at the, it's just like, do, 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 do. And then it goes like this. Yeah. yeah. Cause YouTube, there? cause then YouTube starts like recommending your videos. There's a whole like algorithm thing behind it. I actually signed with a multi-channel network to trying to like teach me about how it works. And it's mm. so confusing, but yeah, there's a whole like system that it's like machine learning. It's really weird. How many views is it considered to be viral? I've heard different numbers. Yeah, I don't know. That's why I did the air quotes because like yeah. vi- it wasn't like millions of views. It was like 500,000. But That's compared to all the rest of mine, it was. Yeah. So, and that's what made my channel shoot up. Wow. But uh Yeah, thanks. It was about it was about working in a brothel. Hey, it's yeah, it's never the thing you think it that's going to blow. Yeah. Yeah. And it had been on for, a, it had been up there for a long time, like just cruising, not really. And then it hit some algorithm and then it shot up and it had been on my channel for months. Wow. So it's just, ra- it's, I just can't figure it out. It's random. Yeah. Super random. Um, so, so you've interviewed a lot of porn stars. Um, and I know you're a sex positive person. Can you tell me some of your favorite interviews that you've done and, and why? Oh God. I really, I really loved interviewing Karma RX. Cause she just like, doesn't give a fuck. It's, she it's does like, not give a fuck. She does not give a fuck. And she has like, which is great because, um, she was actually like the very first, um, person I interviewed when I got to AVN in January and started doing a bunch of interviews there. And it was, it, it was crazy as you know, because the, the schedules are so nuts. People are like, Sometimes they don't have time and they have to bail or, you know, they get the AVN flu and they, you know, they can't come. And sometimes, you know, girls only have 15 minutes. Sometimes they have more than that. 
Um, but Karma was actually like the first little interview I had there. And I was just really like impressed with her story. I was like, holy shit. She used to be homeless. She was like, on you know, on drugs. And then she's now she's like doing so great. And like, I'm always so inspired by stories like that. Like people mm-hmm. who can like pull themselves up and, and, you know, start anew. And, you know, she like makes her own soap. And I'm like, wow, she has this true like entrepreneurial spirit. And I liked that episode with her a lot. Cause we, you know, it, I had talked a lot of, about a lot of fun, like conspiracy theories with her and she kind of follows like the QAnon stuff. She and I kind of follow conspiracy theories. And, and I get very fired up and pissed and upset about like, you know, child and sex trafficking and all that stuff too. And, and, uh, and then you start to notice like the other people that are into it too. And then I was, um, then I see like, Oh, Jenna Jameson's liking my stuff. Holy shit. You know? And I'm like, please do my podcast. And she's like, I'm not doing podcasts. And I was like, all right, I tried. Um, and then some of my other friends that were really great to interview Jaden Cole. Um, I sort of, she did my show wet spot, but then I hung out with her at AVN and now we're like, we became really good friends. Um, Randy James has been on a couple of my shows. Um, Nicole Aniston was, was really fun. She talked a lot about why she turned vegetarian and, um, just about like her, like health fitness regimen. Did she tell Um, you about it? Did she, I love Nicole, by the way, she's one of my favorite girls. Um, I love all these girls that you've mentioned. I've had them all on my show and they're great. Karma and I do not agree on a lot of the same politics, but we are, I think mature enough to like recognize that we don't agree on stuff, but we still like love each other. I love her. Like, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that she says, but like, I fucking adore her. I don't have to hate her because of that. You know what I mean? Um, and I love people that are honest and then like own who they are. And like, everybody's got a difference of opinion. Doesn't mean we have to fucking hate each other. I, I agree. And like, and then this thing, you're never going to agree with somebody on, on everything. And it takes like a true adult to be like, okay, like we know what topics to like, that we differ on, we're going to avoid, but let's focus on like what we share and what we love and, you know, keep it positive, stay respectful and all that. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you if you talked to Nicole about aliens. Oh my God. Did we? No, uh, we didn't get to that, but I remember that was like one of the topics that we were like, Oh yeah. If we'll have time, we'll touch on it. And yeah, it's crazy because these, uh, she's, all this she's got opinions about aliens. Really? She's, she's <laughs> pro, she's pro alien. Dude, she's pro alien. <laughs> good, good. Cause they're coming. <laughs> Did you see that footage that they saw in New Jersey? Like it was basically like, it looked like no. a battleship sized UFO. This was yesterday in Jersey. This footage is all over YouTube. I have never seen, I mean, maybe I've seen blinking lights here and there, but this was like, there's videos of people who pulled over the side of the road and then everybody else has their phones out, um, like just big and like a dark ship. And it arrived at like sundown and it has like a blue, like moving across in a strip kind of like blue to yellow light. Like this is yesterday. This was yesterday. Wait, hold on. I, I think I need to look Ooh, this up. And it's wild. New Jersey, New yeah, Jersey. Yeah. Just look up New Jersey um, UFO sighting. UFO. I love how the first thing that came up is New Jersey coronavirus. <laughs> you know, I was, I was, cause when I had her on, um, it says viral videos. Well, the first thing that came up is viral videos of a UFO captured a Goodyear blimp. What? People were saying it's a blimp. I don't, I don't know if it was a blimp. It didn't look like a blimp. I feel like they're, I'm, I'm literally reading the titles. Get on. But I mean, who knows, you know, I mean, who controls the media, right? Yeah. 
So I want you to think it's a blimp so you don't uh, panic or. But also, too, didn't the Pentagon like release these videos of unexpl- literally UFOs, unexplained yes. flying objects? Like vehicles not made on this earth. Like a couple of months ago, and like yeah. no one cared. It should have been a, such a bigger deal. But I know. Like, ah, toilet paper, you know? <laughs> I know. I was tripping on that whole thing. I was like, I, yeah. I see one screen cap of it. Yeah, and it totally does look like. A flying saucer, but I guess it's like at night. So there are good actual videos of this sighting. It really does not look like a blimp to me. Okay, I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to spend some time afterwards uh, looking more deeply into it. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, aliens have been very much a thing. I think every president since Eisenhower has known about aliens. Apparently, they've visited. There's many, many different species. They have visited this planet many different times. There's Roswell. It's like we have like crashed UFO aircraft and and like people have been working to reverse engineer the the tech mm-hmm. and perhaps they already have. So um yeah, it's fascinating stuff for sure. The world is full of many mysteries that um we may we may never come to know. I definitely uh I mean, I, I'm not really a conspiracy theorist person. I honestly, I just think I kind of don't have the energy to like pay a lot, a lot of attention to it. Yeah, it's nights up, uh, you know, in the far corners of the internet. A lot of clicking on, you know, a, a lot of DMs. A lot, and then once you get into the conspiracy world, people send you stuff nonstop, and I'm like, oh, I guess you know, this is my job now. And then, you know, people have been call- calling me like I'm a pedophile hunter now. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's just, we should all work towards this thing. But I guess it's, it, it, it does take over a lot of your time. Cause you're like, once you're a person who's like, I have to find out the truth. It's like, you have to like, keep, keep looking. Cause you're not, your mind is never like fully made up. Truly. You're just like, huh? Good to be curious. Um, it's good to not like, just take everything at face value, whether that coming from your crazy conspiracy friend or your, you know, seemingly real mainstream media. Yeah. <laughs> what I, what, what I, my biggest fear around the alien thing, I think about this all the time is like when I'm in like a, a bad spot or a conflict, I always think my way out is like charm or seduction or my, my personality, you know what I mean? Like my wits. And I'm just, I, I fear that that may not work on the aliens because they're going to be, above it you know they may Your feminine wild won't charm the aliens i'm i'm worried that i won't be able to you know if there's a conflict and they're not going to find me funny or charming and they may or may not have genitals so it's like well i can't do anything <laughs> that that way you know usually that's a good way to <laughs> settle you know a conflict you've, you've lost all your bargaining power <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've uh I have to admit I've never thought so far ahead as to like how I would deal with an alien, but uh I guess I just don't think that far ahead. So you might be better prepared than I. Because I mean, I feel like these days who knows what the fuck's going to happen. 2020 has been a fucking crazy year and every month it's something else. So if the next thing that happens at aliens land, I think I feel like at this point no one's going to be surprised. Yeah. And it's like, but I wish there was a way for people that are like, to, you know, do, do the aliens know who's kind of pro aliens? Like, I've supported you for years. I've known about you for so long. Did you get all my letters? Like, it's the notebook. I don't know. Or they just going to be <laughs> against all people. 
And I just want, I want them to know maybe there's something I can wear or something I can put in my apartment to be like, oh, like for Santa, I'd be like, we believe in you. <laughs> Don't hurt us. Well, Don't the problem is if, the, if there are multiple species of aliens and who's to know like what alien party you support, because maybe unlike our government, they're not a two-party system. <laughs> and there could be many different kinds of, and they don't like each other. And so you got to choose what alien side you're going to, you're going to be on. Yeah. Do they, yeah. Do the aliens have libertarians? We don't know. Do they have a green party? I don't know. But the aliens started to become more interested in us after Pearl Harbor. Cause they were like, Whoa, you guys are setting off nuclear bombs. You know, like that's going to fuck with, this planet and others potentially. So that's when they started. There were more and more sightings after that. So oh, really? I didn't know I think that. They're just very concerned about us, like fucking up space and planets. Um, I yeah. like how like the aliens might be more environmentally responsible than we are. They're <laughs> sure. like you guys are like ruining one of the few like biologically friendly planets in this universe. Yeah. And so, like, maybe we need to just come and take over and stop you guys from basically making yourselves extinct. And yeah, which is why I think they're gonna they're gonna like Nicole. They're gonna like Nicole <laughs> because she's a vegan. She's got like a vegetarian restaurant. Um, she's very like you know crunchy, environment friendly. She's hot. You know, she has she's full like, of just full of love for everybody. Yes. And she is actually like truly like a wonderful soul through and through like she's a really good person i can't think of anyone who doesn't like nicole she's like she one of the really is. everyone likes her you know even like so. she'll send me a tweet and i'll be like oh it's like a hug you know I'm like oh, great <laughs> i know she like opens up on twitter every morning she's like good morning you are beautiful you are worthy and i love you and my <laughs> opening tweet is like my fucking back hurts this sucks i'm gonna shit this baby out of me get this baby out of me <laughs> Oh my God. All right. Uh, and on that, uh, we should go to a commercial break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about um, some more ways that comedy and porn intersect. So hang on. We'll be right back. This episode of Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Care of Vitamins. I can honestly say that my sponsor, Care of, is one of my favorite subscription services to date. And now that I've had my child, keeping up with my health is a huge priority. Care of makes taking your vitamins and supporting your health goals attainable. I love how easy the online quiz is to take. It's simple and helps you find the right vitamins to help support your health goals and needs. The cute individual packets are eco-friendly and we all know that environmentally friendly, conscientious companies are the way of the future. The packets are also incredibly convenient. You can throw these into your gym bag or your purse and you're on your way. Another thing that I love about their shipment plan is that they always alert you when they're sending you a new box. So if you've fallen behind, you can easily delay your shipment for a few weeks in the future. Care of really changed my life for the better. It's never too late to take charge of your health. Care of is here to help you do that. And luckily for my listeners, you get 50% off of your first care of order. Go to takecareof.com and enter code Holly 50. That's 50% off of your first care of order. All you have to do is go to takecareof.com and enter code Holly 50. Take care of your health with care of vitamins. Hey, I'm Molly Stewart, Twisties Treat of the Year, and you're listening to Holly Randall Unfiltered, sponsored by Twisties. 
Twisties is a leading glamour porn site for exclusively lesbian and girl-girl content. Since starting my journey with Twisties, I have shot some incredible scenes with some of the best girls, making some truly amazing fantasies come to life. For 18 years, they have featured the biggest names in the industry, recently rebranding to exclusively female content. Twisties stays focused on raising the bar of what modern porn looks like, while highlighting the up-and-coming talent of our generation. Their Treats of the Month and now Treat of the Year give viewers a taste of what their favorite girls are like under the wrapper. My journey since being their Treat of the Month in January of 2018 has been incredible, and I can't wait to see what they have in store for the future. To unwrap the hottest treats and mouthwatering scenes, visit twisties.com and find them on Twitter at twisties and Instagram at twisties treats. This episode of Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped. We all know 2020 is a little nuts, but that doesn't mean that you should disregard your nuts no matter what size or shape they are. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to take care of your manhood with their below the waist grooming and hygiene products and great news. They just released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia. They also just released the Crop Care Kit, which is a formulation bundle to give you A plus balls and is the ultimate male hygiene hack. The Crop Care Kit includes the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, Crop Cleanser Body Wash, Crop Mop Ball Wipes, and the Foot Duster Foot Deodorant. Of course, this all goes along with the best trimmer for your butt, balls, and body, the Lawnmower 3.0, which offers replaceable ceramic blades with advanced skin safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents. It's also waterproof, which means you can attend to your nuts in the shower. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free, so you know that your manhood is in good hands. Get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with code HOLLY. If you care about those beautiful balls of yours, all you have to do is go to their site, hit a few buttons on your phone, and it will change your life for the better. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with code HOLLY. All right, so we're back. So one of the things that you mentioned before we started uh, the interview officially was that when you were at AVN, you were interviewing people like kind of in the red carpet line. And this is how I remember because I was in that line, not last year because I refused to go to the awards, but the year before. And it goes out into the parking lot mm-hmm. and there's just so many people trying to walk the red carpet. Navian's trying to like figure it out by giving people different like color coded tickets. So you yeah. go at a different time, but it's still just a fucking huge mess. And everyone's outside in the parking lot and it's freezing and they're wearing almost nothing. And there's always those protesters that are right on the street saying like porn is evil. And I believe that you spoke to some of them. Yeah. I was like, I have to talk to these people. Like what, what is their rationale here? Like how, how could you be against something that it like brings people joy, happiness. And like, it's like, I just couldn't understand it. I was like, you can watch it with your partner. Like if you're single, that can be your thing. And your outlet, if you're with a partner, you can share that with them. So I was like, let me go talk to these freaks. Like what's going on? Are they religious? Like what's their bent? And I, I remember there was like four people. Uh, one of them was a woman, the rest were guys. And I would talk to each of them like, Hey, and the, I think the main reason I went over, cause one was like yelling through a megaphone. I was like, if I can distract this guy, it's like the longer I talk to him, the less he's yelling, screaming into this megaphone, like telling everybody that they're going to burn in hell. And I was like, oh, let's, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm from a news source. Like I just made myself sound official. I was like, oh, this is 
from compound media. It's a big deal. Um, like, why are you guys out here? And they're like, oh yeah, you know, these, uh, all these people are going to like burn in hell and snakes are going to go into their crotches. Like the, this guy was going like, he's very descriptive and like very weird. And I was like, wow. And I was like, why are you guys, you know, so why are you protesting? And it eventually came out like uh, most of them, I would say actually all of them ended up, um, kind of confessing that they had one point and been not only watchers of porn, but like obsessed and like overly, overly into porn. And then they arrived at this place of like doing a 180 of, Oh, now we need to like protest and picket it. And, and I even like, I caught them all, you know, cause I went and spoke to each one and I was like, Oh, you used to be really into porn. Like what kind of porn would you watch? And then like, they would each describe like the different genres that they really liked. And then they would catch themselves like, Oh, oh but, but yeah, no, uh, I mean, I don't know. I never really watched any. And it's like, mm, I got you. It's like, you was there like a common thread? Did people like, like to the people, was there a certain kind of porn that most of them watched? Um, yeah, a couple of them that. said POV. Um, like one said, like step brother and sister. One really liked like S and M fetishy stuff. Um, so they didn't. They weren't all into the same genre, but they all had in common that they were used to be really into porn. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, that's interesting. You know, um, it's almost like they're like they protest too much. Kind of, it's like, well, why don't you? And, and the longer you talk to these people, the more you're like, oh, you just need therapy. Like, the, like you're not going to stop this. This is a whole thing. This is a thing that's yeah. happening. You, the four of you are not going to have any effect here. Like, just go home, like work on your own issues. Uh, just like find things that bring you joy. It's And that's the thing as humans, it's always easier to like destroy than, than it is to create. So I think a lot of people, that's why cancel cancel culture is is so prevalent and has been for the last few years people just they see a thing they don't like and they're like well i need to stop this i need to take this down these people need to never work again it's wrong when really it's like that's the most selfish thing you can do because it should enter into your mind like oh these porn stars or this comedian or whoever what whatever performer this is it's like other people enjoy them uh, they should get to do that. And you should just because you don't like it doesn't mean that you need to like ruin it for everybody else. So that's why it's like, it's ultimately like such a selfish move to try and like cancel another person or a whole industry, which is, which is booming. And it's certainly even more so in the last six months, you know, with the lockdown, people are home and yeah, I, every girl that I've talked to, and I'm sure you too, um, has been doing so much like only fans is off the charts. Uh, everyone, you know, everyone has been doing real, really well business wise. Cause the, the people that are, cause the, the lockdown was kind of like a do or die moment for relationships. It was like a pressure cooker. Like if things aren't good, uh, you guys probably broke, have broken up already at this point or, yeah. or are getting divorced. Um, if you were in a brand new relationship, like whoop, well you're bonding real quick, real soon because you, you know, you might have to be quarantined with this person. Um, so it's kind of like, you really figure out who's with you, who's not. And for the people that have broken up, and are single again, like they're going to be into the dudes or, or girls that need content or need something to jerk off to. It's like, well, they're going to be in only fans. Uh, they're going to be looking for more and more stuff. And uh, it's just, it explains for why the whole, the whole app has exploded. And like every girl I've interviewed is like, yeah, I'm doing really great. You know? Yeah. So it's cool that it's been good for everybody. Yeah. It's, it's, I always get that whole like um, porn addiction, you know, so we should, destroy the entire industry scenario to me is just so laughable because coming from somebody who has a background in addiction, you know, everybody who 
has listened to my podcast knows I'm super open about the fact that I fought alcoholism for a really long time. And I was sober for a long period of time and then I relapsed. And then, um, it took me a while to get, uh, my time back. I have like, uh, I have two, I have two years now. Wait, how oh, fuck, how long do I have? I, f- I just forgot. I think it's a year. Is it a year and a half or is it two years? Wow. I you forgot. Get you get a chip every month. Well, token. Uh, well, I don't go to meetings anymore because <laughs> I, I just feel like they keep sending you stuff. you have to go and like accept one at a meeting um is it like at the end when you go like you're at an arcade and you have all these tickets you get to like trade them in for a prize like (laughs) i think that's how it should be with aa like look i've been clean for two years like i want that big stuffed animal you know well the funny thing is is that you don't people need to take you at your word right i mean the whole program is kind of about honesty so people can go and totally lie and i know it happens there's all kinds of people in the program and they can be like, I've been sober for this many years. And they can like, that can be absolutely not true. And they still get the cake and everybody sings to them. And, mm. But I mean, whatever, that's, you know, more of a personal, it, that's more personally damaging than it is to like the group itself. If you're lying to yourself, the only person you're hurting yourself, as I say. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, so when I hear that argument about, you know, I used to be addicted to porn and now I'm not. And so therefore it, it's, it's bad and it should, be banished for everybody. Well, yeah, I used to be addicted to alcohol. You don't see me protesting outside of the fucking Budweiser brewery and being like ban all alcohol. Like I understand as a rational human being that, you know, addiction is something that affects some people and it affects different people differently. And, and, and different people have their, whatever their pitfall is for some people, it's porn for some people, it's alcohol, some people, it's drugs, some people, it's love, some people, it's, Food. I mean, it's so many different things. Yeah. Multiple cats. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that doesn't mean that that specific thing, whatever your addiction latched onto is evil because there's tons of people out there who can enjoy alcohol responsibly. So like, it's not my, I don't have the right to tell other people they can't consume it simply because I can't consume it. And that's why I see these, these porn protesters it's just like well i can't have it so you can't have it either it's like come on dude grow the fuck yeah like take responsibility for your only for your own downfalls but don't like push that onto everybody else yeah it's like that you need to work on you not to sound like like not insensitive but like okay that's like a you problem because like there's so few of you out here clearly it's like if it were a thing, a lot, like a, a ton more people were protesting or coming out for, like maybe people would take more notice, but it's like the industry does so well that it's just, it's, you're, you're not going to stop it. So you might as well work on yourself. That's, that's going to get you better results sooner. Yeah. I mean, trying to push your agenda onto other people is not going to help you heal whatever you're lacking inside. Yeah. So, so I want to go back quite a bit. Let's go back to, let's go back to little Chrissy. Um, (laughs) How did you get into comedy? Was it something that you always wanted to do? Um, I was always funny. I would always make my parents laugh and like, you know, we're, we are so, uh, we're like sponges when we're kids, as everybody knows. And like, you know, just growing up, like everyone was like very fast, witty, kind of crapping and roasting each other without realizing it. Uh, like me, my mom, my sister, make fun of my dad. And then, you know, we uh, just, we take turns, like kind of making fun of each other. Um, 
so we were always funny, but I, like, I didn't think to pursue it. I actually really wanted to be a news reporter. Um, mm. That's why I got rid of, that's why you don't hear much of a Long Island accent because I was like, oh, I'm going to move out to Alaska, work my way back. I'm going to be the, the best reporter ever. I interned at Dateline and then I was like, oh, Stone Phillips is super boring. This is not my people. This is not my crowd. Like I'm not, I'm not about it. And then I interned at late night with Conan when he was in New York still. Um, I reached out to the only female writer that was, you know, working on, on the show at the time, Alison Silverman. And somehow I was like very industrious for my age. I can't believe I was able to, to get an internship, but like somehow got an internship for my senior year in college. So I would commute back and forth from Fairfield in Connecticut to the city. And I, even being from Long Island, I was never going into the city. Like I didn't have a family of we were never like, let's go in for a show or let's go in for dinner. And my family were like, it's expensive. You know what I mean? Like, just wear your sister's clothes and shut up. Um, <laughs> I was like, so intimidated by the subway. And I'm, I'm like working at Conan two days a week. And it was so exciting. I just remember being in 30 Rock. And I was like, this is a magical place. I'm going to eat a hot dog. Um, and uh, I remember there was a day I like, got Conan his coffee and all of his meals. And I was like, I'm going to make it. And I just was hanging out with the comedy writers on the show. And I was like, these feel more like my people and more fun. And, and the, the comedy writers were, were like, you know, if you're really, in, if you're interested in this, like get into improv. So I did a little bit of improv in college. And when I graduated, I did like the UCB, which is the upright citizens brigade. I think they went bankrupt uh, now, but that was a big uh, like talent pool for SNL. So I was like in there, took all the classes, you know, did teams and stuff. And then uh, moved on to the magnet theater, which is another improv school, did all those classes um, teams and not cheap by the way, like each, and I don't, it's probably more now, but at the time, like when did I stop improv 2010? Um, each of these classes was like 400 a piece and they last for six weeks. And, and there's no way I could have been able to afford this if I weren't like working full time and living at home. So I was just commuting back and forth from the city to long Island, taking improv, working, working all day improv, and then going home. Uh, not, you know, trying to get a boyfriend. I was like comedy. Uh, and then my mom like later said to me, she's like, you're wasting the best dating years of your life doing improv. <laughs> and she <laughs> wasn't wrong. But, um, <laughs> and then I did a one woman show. And then after that, I was like, oh, I could do standup, I think. Cause standup always re- was really intimidating to me. Oh my and- God. To me, that's the most terrifying thing you can do. Like yeah, I would never have great. the guts to do that. And so I started standup in like 2010 or 11, I think 2010. And like, God, now I've been doing it for 10 years. But now looking back, I'm like, oh, I was only really working hard, like putting my foot on the gas, like maybe the last four years. And then I go, okay, well, only really working hard even at my podcast the last four months. So it's like the longer you do a thing, it's you can look back and realize, like, oh, I guess I wasn't working that hard for most of the time. Um, and I just, you know, fell in love. It's it, like pursuing comedy, like truly feels like having a, a disease. Cause you're like, I can't, this is, it's in me. It's like not, uh, maybe this is a bad metaphor, but it's like, you have to perform. And I think I started, I think standup was attractive to me at first because I just never felt like I could be honest with the people close to me. Like I couldn't really, you know, like I had a like decent upbringing, but like my parents weren't really like talking to me about my feelings. And I always felt like I had to take care of my parents, like emotionally and my parents would fight. And I feel like I had to be the mediator peacekeeper. And if my mom was like, 
bummed out after a fight with my dad. I was like, okay, well, I could make her laugh and I could make her happy again. So I would almost kind of like, and I only know this because I've like been in so much therapy and it's like you learn about your childhood patterns and the way you are, you know, the adjustment skills and how that translates to adulthood. And then you're like, okay, I don't have to spend all my time, like taking uh, care of other people emotionally. I can focus on what I want, you know? And, uh, so I think that's why comedy was really attractive to me at first. Cause I could like really express myself. I could like say what I really wanted to say and be like, ha ha, it's a joke, but it was so freeing. And I was like, Oh, mm. I can be honest. And it's, it seems so backwards that you feel you can be totally honest with a huge group of strangers that you'll probably never see again, but not with the closest people in your life, like your family, your boyfriend, whatever. Um, but it's cool. But you're also fil- yeah, and you're also filtering it through comedy. So like yeah. you said, it's like you're talking about things that are true to yourself, but you can kind of like mask it with the oh, it's comedy, so you don't need to take me seriously. I mean, there's uh is it true like that kind of widespread belief that most comics are actually like have a lot of like inter- pain that they're internalizing? I think so. Like, I think I know there's a lot of comics in therapy, but there's probably even more that aren't. And it's like, I mean, I think therapy is good for everyone. Everyone should be in therapy. It's like you have, it's, you know, you're just going to have more of your life to you to do with what you want. You got to examine everyone's got some kind of unhealthy pattern. You know, you're like, Oh, I shut down when I get defensive and this sort of, these things make me defensive. So if I can learn another way around that, like I save myself, a whole day of being pissed, you know? Um, but yeah, a lot of comics are like insecure. We need validation. Um, a lot of us, and it's just that it's like you, you put together, like if it's a Venn diagram, right. Of like qualities you need to be a professional comedian. And then like the business of comedy, it's like, you end up, you're like out late at night, you need validation. You're around a uh, limitless alcohol. Right. And so they, then there ends to be like a lot of, alcoholics people in the program that end up being comics and a lot of people that struggle with addiction also that are comedians um you know you need validation you it's like it's like a quick you get addicted to it almost like you would a drug you're like oh i need to feel that a a room full of people laughing at me is like the best drug and i need to like feel that as much as i can so it's it's and it's also this weird balance between like ego and not ego because it's like obviously there's the very obvious ego part of it. Like people are laughing at me. I'm funny as fuck. I'm great. People like, why my autograph? People are fans. My Twitter following's growing and shit like that. And then there's the other part of you that's like, wow, like I'm uniting a room full of people at the same time. Like they're forgetting about their problems because they're laughing at me. They feel better. You know what I mean? Like if I can talk about the fact that my dad threw a chair at me when he was eight, you know, then maybe people don't feel as bad about the bad shit that happened to them in their life. Or if I can talk about an abusive boyfriend or whatever, if I make fun of myself, um, it kind of makes people go, Oh, okay. Like we all go through the same shit. Mm-hmm. We can laugh at her and, and, you know, we can kind of ease up on ourselves. So it's this balance between like, it's for the people. And then there's part of it. That's like, it's for you too. And it's your expression and it's your art. And, you know, there's also like the homework part of it, like listening to sets, rewording stuff, reworking things. Uh, and then it's like, Oh wow. How did I take my old pre pandemic material and have it make sense now? Because a lot of these shows are, you know, they're few and far between now. Like they're mostly just outdoors or backyard shows or secret kind of like speakeasy shows. Like the clubs are all shut down, but you're like, 
okay, you can't get on stage now in any capacity and not talk about the pandemic. So it's like, you have to, we have these events like that happened to all of us and it kind of forced you to, to get with it. And, and, you know, you, you got to speak to the room. You have to like, you can't pretend that this shit isn't going on and you have to like stay relevant and, you know, keep working your stuff. And then you grow as a person. And it's like, you know, I started this when I was like a single, very single, super slutty girl and all that material. And now it's like, okay, well now I've been with the same guy for five years. So what of that material changes? What if it stays the same? What do you have to get rid of? What can you sort of, you know, cause you always have to keep it um, in the now, right? Cause audiences mm-hmm. tell if you're not authentic or if you're trying too hard or if you're insincere, or if you don't believe in what you're saying, so you're in this constant state of like reevaluating your stuff. That's why you have to lis- listen back to your sets and be like, okay, why wasn't the audience laughing? Did I not really believe in this joke? Oh, is it because this joke is five years old now? Um, and it's okay. Cause it's like a lot of comics, like you get married, you have kids. It's like you change. Everybody's changing. Change is the only constant. Um, so it, and it also really keeps you on your toes too. And like the crowd will tell you right away if they're, if they're into you or not. So it's like, it's, it's been just like a really like great journey. And there's nothing that I love more than going into the crowd and talking to people. And, you know, you have your standby things that, you know, will work. And, um, you know, there's the guy that's just arms folded for the whole show. And you're like, I gotta get that guy. Like I gotta, you know, break a <laughs> smile. Like, what is it? You know? Cause it's amazing. Like so many people will come to comedy shows and they just can't shake their day or their month or their year. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it sounds like I'm singing the friends theme song, but um, <laughs> I'll be there for you. So it's, it's, you know, it's fun. Even simple observations can make people laugh. Um, mm-hmm. Like the simplest thing, like a couple that seemed tense and the guy's wearing a salmon shirt. I'm like, Oh, well, you know, that expl- even just like a nod, you know, it's simple things, depending on where you are, like, oh, he's gay. Like the dumbest things can make people laugh and um, not being afraid to sound kind of not un PC and, and knowing when to hold back and knowing when to go for certain topics. And like you're constantly in a scanning the room place. And uh, yeah, I was I mean, going to ask you like about being PC because, you know, obviously, as you were saying, comics are you know, your job is to kind of take the everyday, take the now, take, take this, maybe the sadness of the world, take the tragedies and, and put some kind of spin on it and make it more digestible by interjecting humor into it. But with cancel culture being so rife these days and people getting so easily offended by anything that anybody says, like, do you find that you're more afraid of the things that you say on stage now than you were like maybe like two, three, four years ago? I feel less afraid now than I did a few years ago because I think canceling is actually really good for any creative person or any performer of any kind. Like the more a group of people will try to cancel you, like the stronger it makes you because you realize like, (gasps) like it it sucks when it happens. You're like, oh my God, you get into a panic. You're like, is it something I said or a thing or an episode or whatever? It's like we, the whole comedy community watched Shane Gillis. He was, you know, in the period of like 48 hours, he went from like this, Semi, I mean, very known among comics, but to the general public, very unknown stand-up comic to, you know, now he got hired for SNL up and then, but now somebody 
you know, almost as if they were waiting for him to blow up, kind of submitted, oh, well, here's a podcast where he says the word chink. And then now he's fired from SNL famously, right? And that's a, that's a big example of being canceled. But now, like, Shane is doing really well and people people know him even more so. And you could say he's getting more gigs because of it. Um, that's just like an extreme example, but it happens to comics a lot. Like, even, even ones that are pretty PC. Um, mm-hmm. But I find like each time that happens to me, like it just makes me stronger. Like this was a couple of years ago. Like I went to Utica. I was like buzzed with my boyfriend. I did like a little video like called Chrissy's shitty tour of Utica. And I'm just like making fun of like really not, not even scripted. I'm like, oh, look at this bartender. She's probably uh, also a stripper, like not even funny or witty things. And I just was like, it's, it was just making fun of Utica. Uh, there were like buildings that were like falling down. There was a building that wasn't quite built up and it had like standing water. And I'm like, look at this outdoor pool. Like really, I never, ex- this was like many years ago before, uh, like I never expected it to be anything. It was like a throwaway little sketch. And then like the local Utica radio station picked it up a couple months later and, and blew it up. And then all of a sudden I see like people in all my DMs and messages like, people from Utica. And I think I was saying like, Oh, in Utica, I'm a 10 in New York city. I'm like a two. And then, Oh, this insane backlash because of this local radio station found it. People from Utica, it was a good six weeks of people like you suck. You're a one, even in Utica, like we don't all do meth, you know, but then people privately in my DMS would be like, no, meth really is a big problem up here. And you're right. (laughs) I don't even know where that is. It's upstate New York. It's basically okay. New York's Detroit, which I said okay. in the video and uh, not wrong. And I was like, at first when you see like you know, sometimes tens, hundreds, sometimes it's thousands. I don't know if it's been in thousands yet for me, but um, when you have people blowing up all of your messages and commenting on all your social media, you panic. You're like, oh my God, what do I do? And you, you eventually realize like, okay, just like, it's going to pass. Like people are, we'll be on to the next thing that pisses them off. Like the next week, you know? Yeah. Luckily there's so many things in the world for people to be angry about yeah. and people's attention spans are generally pretty short. They'll, they'll eventually move on to something else. And I was like, all right, cool. And then it becomes almost like, like a badge, you know, a badge of honor. And then over the quarantine, like um, remember there was like a celebrity video, each line, each line of the song Imagine was oh like a different celebrity. Yes. Like, like, Gal Gadot. I was like, they're so out of touch. This is so stupid. So, so bad. I got together with my comedian friends and we each sang a line of Kung Fu fighting. And I was like, cause at the time, like Kung Flu was a trending hashtag. And I was like, all right, you can take you can say Kung Flu if you want, but we're just singing each of us a line of the song Kung Fu Fighting. And I'm going to cut it together like gals and it'll be like a parody. Um, so I put that out there. I had the whole like woke Asian community after me for like, again, another like month, two months or whatever. People, again, blowing you up. Uh, everyone's tagging Oprah, Ellen, Chrissy Teigen. Cancel this girl. She's terrible. People thought I wrote Kung Fu Fighting. People thought I wrote that song. I wrote the lyrics. Um, just you realize how many people are just so dumb. I was like, that's a song from the seventies. Like I didn't invent, I didn't even invent the hashtag Kung flu. Like it's all a joke. It's tongue in cheek. Um, people really came after me and it took like a good month, but it was eventually removed from my Instagram for hate speech, which blows my mind because like, it's not hate speech. It's a spoof. It's a parody. And it's like, it's really sad when people 
can't tell the difference. Uh, they're just, their anger is so misplaced. And uh, mm-hmm. I think people get off on it because they like to feel, people like to feel moral, morally superior. Like they, they'd rather feel right than address their shit, right? Than address their right. issues and their triggers. And, uh, you know, not like I've ever been, I've tried, I've never tried to be like intentionally pushing somebody's button. It's like, I do what I think is funny and what I think other people will think is funny. And, you know, it's coming from a good place, but it's definitely, it's caught me off guard. Like the things that people that I've had like backlash over were things I didn't expect. Um, but you, you learn a lot from it and it makes you a stronger person. And as a comedian, the most important thing is to just never apologize for any joke, any sketch video. Like, I just think it's, it's the wrong move to make because it ends up never being enough for these people. Like they want to see you jobless, homeless, never, never working again. So, and once you like give an inch, as far as an apology goes, like it's just, it never ends. So that's, I think the most important thing to remember any creator of any kind, you know, if you get shit for your art, like don't apologize for it. Like, you know, if you created it from a good place or, you know, it's, it's hard because you can feel that pressure and I understand why people do apologize, but it's, uh, it's not good. It never ends well. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely something that you see just so frequently now, you know? And I mean, there are some things that I see that I definitely agree that people should, I don't know if I agree in cancel culture entirely. It depends on what it is. You know, I mean, obviously if it's something really like extreme, like, Right. Rape or murder or something like that. That's oh, God. And there's such a difference between um, being held accountable for what you say. That's one thing. That, of course, should always happen. People mm-hmm. people have a reaction to something. They should a- absolutely be able to say what pisses them off. Like, that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what freedom of speech is, you know. Um, but I don't think, you know, that a, that a thing that lots of people enjoy should be deleted or canceled because a smaller amount of people didn't like it, you know? And then also something that like they pulled from 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I remember like that whole thing with James Gunn, um, the director, who's actually somebody that I had worked with before back way before he became famous. Um, I, I shot some, he used to do these like uh, porn parody skits and, and it was, um, what was it called? But it was basically like a scenario that started off as a porn scene, but like didn't end up being a porn scene. Um, so it was just like these little spoof sketches. And uh, I worked on some of those with him and he was just awesome. And he was um, really good friends with one of my really good friends. And we used to go to his house all the time and just like a super nice guy and incredibly talented, you know, and, and, and has been so successful in his, in his, movies that he's done and it's been so cool to see him go so far and then when some people pulled some shit some jokes that he made like 10 years ago on twitter and and then he got dropped from i forget what movie he was working on it was just like are you fucking kidding me yeah it's not and now he's back and he's like doing so well and he's working on like the next big like suicide squad movie i think so i'm really happy to see that come back around um but yeah, I just can't imagine how agonizing that must have been. You've worked so hard to get to where you are and somebody digs up something that you said a long time ago when you were young and stupid and, you know, just trying to get a reaction out of people and, and the world decides to cancel you for it. It's just so frustrating. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for coming on, Chrissy. This was thank awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. 
And um, can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and maybe again, more specifically where they can find your podcasts? Oh yes. Uh, all social media is at Chrissy Mayer, C-H-R-I-S-S-I-E-M-A-Y-R. Uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube also. And the YouTube is where you can find, uh, the Chrissy Mayer podcast. It's also on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. Um, yeah, just C-H-R-I-S-S-E. It'll come up. And then the wet spot is on compound media Mondays, 7 30 PM EST. And my podcast, uh, I release the audio version, you know, 5 AM Eastern. And then I'll usually have like a live YouTube, uh, premiere, at 9 p.m. Eastern. I know I'm like throwing out so many different times, but that podcast is Tuesday through Friday. And then Saturdays, I'll have like the fun, never have I ever like group Zoom storytelling show. And that is always a mix of, well, I mean, everything I do is always a good mix of like porn stars, comedians, you know, funny TV personalities, you know, so everyone, you know, we usually try to keep it fun and light. And yeah, that's a good mix of people, porn stars and comedians and um, I always felt like the two really meshed well together. Yeah. Because a lot of us think of us, a lot of people think of comics and porn stars as like degenerates, outcasts. Um, you're not in the weave with normal society, you know, you're not appropriate. And it's like, we also have to be, we also, you know, if, to be successful, you have to be an entrepreneur. You have to be like a one man band. You have to be a self starter. You have to follow mm-hmm. through. And it's like, not every, not everybody can hack it. Not everybody can, and do that yeah. on their own. It's so much easier to work a, a nine to five and, you know, clock in, clock out, <laughs> check your social media for like four hours a day. But to like have your own business and your own brand is that takes constant work. Yeah, it is. Ugh. I, I always, I have, I've never really, I mean, I had a nine to five like in college, um, but I've always wondered what that life was like to like actually be off work at five and not on a Friday and not think about it again until Monday at 9am, you know? And like, yeah. And these jobs are not even like that anymore. Like if you are like a, a, like a public or, um, or no, like a personal assistant, like it never ends at five. Cause it's like, they're constantly messaging you. They're constantly calling you. It's like, depending on like what boss you have, it's like, you never really fully clock out. And a lot of them, you know, you could be salaried, but they're like calling you on the weekend. And it's like, it, it, it kind of is all that it becomes all the time. Yeah, I know my poor, I have my assistant Eva has to deal with that. Um, I feel oh. bad, but I try not to contact her on the weekends if I don't have to, but sometimes I just need to like tell her something. Yeah. Well, you're a, you would, you're a delightful boss. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you guys can find me at Holly Randall on Instagram and on Twitter you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. Go to hollyrandallunfiltered.com to sign up for my newsletter. We only send you a newsletter once a month, so I promise we will not spam you. So you will not regret it. And Chrissy, again, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. We will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my show and want to support it, I ask that you take the time to rate and review my podcast. Now, if you're not sure how to do that, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash HRU, and you'll automatically be directed to the various podcast apps your device supports, and then be led to the place where you can rate my show. Five stars, of course, and leave your glowing review. Okay, it doesn't have to be glowing, but you know, say something nice. 
You can also financially support this show through my Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Unfiltered, where you get so many perks for your support. Things such as early releases and live recordings of my interviews, merchandise such as stickers, mugs, and hoodies, autographed copies of my photography books, free access to my private Snapchat and not safe for work website, hollyrandall.com, and my bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life. Also, join my Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash hollyrandallunfiltered, and you can watch the video versions of these interviews at youtube.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. Oh, and of course, sign up for my newsletter at hollyrandallunfiltered.com and get all the info on upcoming guests and special projects. Again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting my podcast in whatever way that you can. Just want to remind you guys that we are still on an every other week calendar while I'm on maternity leave. So two weeks from today, um, November 18th, I have on one of the most highly requested guests that I've ever had. People have been asking me to bring this lady onto the show for a long time. And I finally, finally was able to nail her down. I am talking, of course, about the incredible Kendra Lust. So make sure that you guys come back in two weeks for Kendra Lust. Very highly requested. Very exciting to have her on. It was a great interview on Holly Randall Unfiltered.